Welcome to the Songwriter Connection Podcast. Our show originates in Nashville, Tennessee, Music City, USA. We connect you to the songwriters and the stories behind your favorite songs. Join us as we take a look at the craft of songwriting through the eyes of the songwriter. Now, here's your host, Dave Linehan. Hi, I'm Dave, and I live in Nashville, Tennessee, where it seems at times I'm surrounded by songwriters. And you know what? I don't mind it all. In fact, that's part of the reason why I'm here in Nashville. I love music. I love to write songs. And I just love to immerse myself in the culture and the creativity and get to know these great songwriters. And the purpose of this podcast is to do do just that. We're going to introduce you to the songwriters and the songs. Each writer has an incredible story to share. And I'm going to bring those stories to you throughout these, uh, this podcast. Now, I was wondering the other day, why why so many songwriters in Nashville? There are, there are more songwriters around here in town per capita than any place in the world. And probably the most obvious reason is it is Music City, right? But is there more than that? Uh, writers and people in the music industry tell me that there's a draw and a lure that, that cannot be denied. I know before I moved here, I felt drawn uh, to be here. And a little bit about Nashville. Since 19, uh, 2013, Nashville's economy has been ranked as one of the fastest growing in the country. Uh, but is music the biggest industry? Well, no, that would be healthcare. And then there's education and tourism. But, you know, music is still a, a big, big part of it. The music industry has $9.65 billion with a B annual economic impact on the Nashville region. And there are 4.19 times as many music industry jobs in Nashville than there are anywhere in the country. So makes you wonder, do you have to be here to make a career in songwriting or the music, music industry happen? Well, <clears throat> there's a hit writer named Kerry Kurt Phillips who once said, you can put a bucket out in the middle of a field, but you're never going to get a cow to back up over it. So yeah, I guess it helps to be here in town. Our guest today has been in town for about 30 years. He is uh, from a Birmingham Alabama originally. I can't believe Ohio boy going to say roll tide right now, but I will roll tide. And roll um, tide. he's sitting across from me at the dining room table, my writer's room of sorts. And like on the last podcast, he's going to play some music live for us here around the, the dining room table. I love when we get a chance to do that. So this is episode one, season five. And my guest is Mark Allen Barnett. Hey, Mark. Yeah, hello, Dave. I got to tell you, he's my favorite performer here in Nashville. He can command a room. He's funny. He's entertaining. He calls his style in-your-face country soul, and you're going to soon find out why. That's great. That is a great intro. <laughs> well, thank you. He's suited for you. We got to practice it one time. Yeah, yeah, very good. Yeah, I know. That'll run through. The, yeah, no, it, but it does bear what we talk about mm-hmm. as writers uh, and what the allure is. We're, we're all creating our own niches now, and this yeah. is, you're, you're very well suited for that. And I, I think that that is the present and the future of, of the music industry, not just the music industry, all the entertainment industry. I mean, look at how many podcasts are going global. Yeah. Um, Netflix is the big <laughs> mover and shaker on uh, on uh, original content as opposed to Hollywood, you know, some, and, and yeah. it's just kind of an interesting reinvent- uh, reinventing of the wheel mm-hmm. that we're all involved in. It is. Yep. Um, you yep. know, and that's uh, some, the, the lure as, as why is Nashville, uh, while people can do it everywhere. So you felt drawn to, I, I, I to this town. I did. I, I had been in bands, uh, rock bands back during the late 70s and the 80s in a band called 24 Carat that uh, we were involved in a major battle of the bands, nationwide battle of the 
other bands, people like uh, John Bon Jovi and Twisted Sister no. in previous years. And our band was, if you can if you remember the bands, Loverboy, A Journey, that kind sure. of, you know, the, uh, the lead singer out front and the pants that were too tight, you know, and his <laughs> was voice that you? was, that was me. <laughs> yeah, that was absolutely right. And I can also say when uh, when the bands will be over is the day after the publicity picture is taken. Right? <laughs> always happens. It's always happens. But, but we achieved some notoriety in the South and, and, uh, and, and nationwide a bit. We got to be on MTV and all that kind of thing. And nice. It, it was it was very cool, mm-hmm. and uh, but you find out once the contests are over, they're over, and uh, which would play uh, help me later when I was working with a person that went on to the Voice, you know, and I yeah. said, well, once they're done, they're done. Just go, you know, that's a great thing, great resume. Enjoy it while you're doing yeah, it. Yeah, enjoy it while you're doing it. Yeah, and uh, and I was in Birmingham. Music changed in, mm-hmm. in the latter part of the '90s. It got into the heavy metal band of the week. It got where everybody was sounding just alike. Here's Rat. Here's Poison. Here's yep. you know the they're hair. all like that. Yeah. Here's the hair, the yeah. hairnet, you mm-hmm. know, Aquanet. And then uh, it got darker. And mm-hmm. when it got, you get into eighty. Uh, 87, 88, and you have Nirvana, and yep. you have just a darker tone, and, and things got into rap Bungie. and hip-hop, and yep. it was just not me. Right. And at the same time, I met a guy named Roy Muir, who lived in Birmingham, who had lived up here for about 10 years, and, and had had a couple of, uh, a couple of uh, hits in the uh, 70s, and he had moved back to, to Nashville to be with his father-in-law and take care of his father-in-law. Actually, you ever heard of a guy named Henry the, uh, Harry the Hat Walker? No. Okay. He was a St. Louis baseball player. He was a it was a coach in the baseball, but he okay. had he had retired, and that was his father in law. Wow. And so uh, Ron and I got together, and he showed me about the writing of Nashville, the writing style. Of Nashville. And it's a different style. It's a different style. We'll talk about that. And and yeah. I I just was so blown away by his talent and being able to to just kind of say things in a way I'd never even thought of. Mm-hmm. And then I made a couple of trips up here and saw people play, and I saw people at the Bluebird. And I, I saw what they could do in the acoustic guitar and the vocal. Not a band. This is just, These guys were just hitting you in the face. And I said, yeah. this is where I'm coming. I'm a part and, of that. Yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. And so the April 1st, uh, April Fool's Day, 1988, I, I moved to Nashville. And uh, on the, that was a Friday. On, on the Monday, which is the 4th, I made a... a, a Showed up at a open mic and uh, played at the very end of the night. Three people made the first contact <laughs> that would lead me to a uh, a cut, which a girl named Shelby Lynn cut one of my songs, and I had written it with my father and Ron, and uh, it was my dad's general idea, and and it got. I used in a Willie Nelson, Chris Christopherson television movie called Another Pair of Aces. Wow. The song was called That's Where It Hurts and Willie Two Steps to <laughs> the song. Wow. And my dad was the biggest Willie fan in the world. So he got to see Willie Two Step to the song. Oh the God. only song he ever wrote in his life. And it got her names in People magazine, and he would always say, "Oh, no, what's so hard about writing songs?" And that was basically that was. My it's beginning. easy, right? That's it. Yeah. That's it. Yeah. Wow. And, and, cool uh, story. Yeah. Yeah. But then you find out that there are so many things in a career that are out of your hands. Yeah. You know, I had in with this blue-eyed country soul kind of thing, and there were mm-hmm. people like Delbert McClinton, and there was uh, T. Graham Brown, and yep. then, uh, there was Leroy Parnell, and then uh, I was being, I was playing out, and mm-hmm. had a band at this time, and, and a guy came up and said, "Man, I love everything about you." I was just in, uh, I love your music, I love your look, I love everything. So I was just in Marietta, Georgia three weeks ago, and I signed a guy just like you. His name's Travis Tripp. Oh, my. And, and so wow. you, you find out that all of these things, and I still had a lot of people coming in. This is what will happen. You have a lot of things. You're juggling ten things. Mm-hmm. One thing will work and everything else will apart. <laughs> and this guy named Garth Brooks came in and just... <laughs> 
exploded and all of the blue-eyed soul guys just got shoved the landscape of music changes wow and just like that it just like that yeah and so i had to you know you have to learn to deal with that Mm -hmm. and and uh after a while you go go through that and i had a a duo was working with this guy and i get a meeting with a record company president he says Man, I like everything. I like everything about you. I like the music. I like your look. You're doing this duet thing. There's a couple of guys right ahead of you that just got in about three months ago. That's Montgomery Gentry. Oh god. And so you know, this is like a day late and a dollar short every oh. time. But uh, I, I was fortunate enough that I, I had writing deals. I had people come to me. I had hit writers that invited me. I've written with uh, over fifty writers. Had top 10 or number one songs Grammy mm. award winners uh, and and uh, and you've had songs cut by uh, uh, a lot of different people John Barry and David Ball and yeah. Shelby Lynn like you say and uh, yeah. Frankie Ballard and yeah. you know so you know last year I got a cut on the Ides of March Ides of March on the Friendless Stranger in the Black Sedan oh the, the vehicle song the yes vehicle. Uh, yeah Jim Peterick who wrote uh, Hold On Loosely and Eye of the Tiger oh my he's yeah. the leader of that band wow and, and he and I and a woman named Joey Scott Scott had written a song called Blue Storm Rising for an artist he was producing, two artists he was producing. Uh-huh. Those artists broke up, and he ended up doing it on the Ides of March 55th anniversary. <laughs> wow. Uh, and he does, he sings it with the, it's a duet called Blue Storm Rising, and he sings it with the current lead singer of Jefferson Starship. Wow. Kathy Richardson. So it's, I'll be darned. It's just an odd business. You it's never know. You just weird. never know when you're in the that's, game. That's right. Well, let's hear a song from you, man. Sure. You got your guitar, and yeah. uh, before we get, I know you're so great to talk to. And oh, thank so you. So many fascinating stories. But let's hear what this uh, in your face country soul well, is all about. Uh, yeah, my, my music is always inspired by Motown. Uh, is, Ray Charles is my favorite singer in the world. You know, yeah. I love that that era, Stax, Memphis, R&B oh, yeah. kind of thing. And so it, with the stories uh, that country do, country's a very clear, plain spoken language. Mm-hmm. And and I had always been, well, how do you say, you know, we get so many people are writing depressing, you know, <laughs> and, and that drives me crazy. So I wanted to write a song, first of all, that would just be a little over two minutes long. <laughs> and that would have uh, kind of a, a, how do you say I miss you without exactly saying I miss you? And that was the point of this song. <laughs> It's been a little while since we were you and I. I still see our friends that thought we were the perfect fit. They asked just what I'm finding. Is it still you I miss? If they think I need to be reminded, I just tell them this. Every day when the sun comes up and every night when it goes back down. Every time that I take a breath. Every time I let it out. Any time that I'm in a crowd or all alone with a thought or two Anytime there's a sight or sound That's the time I think of you Think a year would be enough To have those memories fade No matter how I try I can't find no escape I threw out every picture Every email, note, and card No matter how much distance Turn around, there you are Every day when the sun comes up And every night when it goes back down Every time that I take a breath Every time I let it out Anytime that I'm in a crowd Or all alone with a thought or two Anytime there's a sight or sound That's the time I think of you I bet I'd never even cross your mind 
No matter how I try, I bet I'm going to find that. Every day when the sun comes up and every night when it goes back down, every time that I take a breath, every time I let it out, any time that I'm in a crowd or I'm alone with a thought or two, any time that I take a sound, that's the time I think of That's awesome. Mark Allen Barnett is our guest on the Songwriter Connection podcast. If you are not from Nashville and you're coming into town to visit, you want to take in a songwriter round somewhere. If you get into the Bluebird, that's it's hard to do that, and I think they're closed during the COVID right now anyway, but there's other places like the Commodore and the local. Uh, look for this guy, Mark Allen Barnett. You will just absolutely love his performances. Mark, thanks for joining us. You know, and there's another thing that I wanted to talk to you about because you help a lot of up-and-coming songwriters and uh, we, we refer to you sometimes as yoda <laughs> because <laughs> right you will mm, yeah you, you teach us a lot and and i know uh you know a big impact on on what brought me here in my songwriting and you helped me learn to perform a lot better i was always you know used to performing behind a mic with nobody watching right, me right. uh so i had to learn that so you do a lot of you provide a very valuable service to folks so let's talk a little bit more yeah. about what you do there well it, it, another thing i never expected to do it i just had this ability to show people some ways to do things i i never had problems getting attention <laughs> you know i mean i was always big bold and, and i focused so so you get people songwriters well, a lot of times, uh, unless they're focusing on artists, they just completely, yeah, they, they lose everything. They, mm-hmm. a, a, a great writer will write what the, I mean, a, an amateur writer will write what they want to say. A, a, a great a professional writer will write what an audience wants to hear. And a great writer will do both. Huh. And so I, I Point. started working with people just kind of as an accident. It was uh, due to the NSAI, National Songwriters Association International groups, like your group in Cincinnati. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. and I, I would come up and I would show there's basically four things in a music career that you always have to think of. It's the creation of the song. The presentation, All about the song, right? The yeah. presentation of the song, mm-hmm. recorded or, or uh, live, networking, and business. Those are the four things. And so creating songs that are interesting, unique, and, and, and stand up, and then uh, performing that song or recording that song and making sure it presents very well. Mm-hmm. Then meeting people networking then uh the business follows and and your group up there uh when you guys were in cincinnati and i would come up uh uh from time to time but you know two three times every few months and mm-hmm. and you guys had that that good little group of people you wrote together you hung out together you became very good friends yes we did and, and then you had things like that little taste of claremont thing <laughs> that was so it was so cool and all those pro got, writers used to come up we yeah it was great well yeah. and, and then you lead to even the bigger thing which was the taste of claremont festival mm-hmm. and yeah all the writers from here wanted to come up which provided you guys that like you mentioned carrie kurt phillips which right. is great i remember all that dave gibson and all the guys that would come up and win and, and, and yeah and, yeah win varbo oh, yeah win varbo <laughs> <laughs> we got to get him on this but show. It gave all of you an understanding of Nashville, the mm-hmm. other side of Nashville, so that when you came down and kind of began to experience it, you already had people that you knew in town. Yeah, and that was very helpful. And, and that's part of what the deal is. And so mm-hmm. my thing with, with uh, I, there's two different things. There's artist writers and there's writer artists. 
And uh, the artist writers are usually younger and they're out there all full of uh, vinegar ready to go charging against the world. But a lot of times they're all over the place, you know. So you got to kind of focus them down and find the center. And when you're working with somebody who is, as, as a girl I just recently worked with from, from Indiana, a girl named Brianna Faith, and, and she they, they have songs, but they sound just like songs that are already on the radio. So you're trying to find that connection. Who are they? Yeah. And when you're find 18, your own voice, right? Exactly. Yeah. When you're 18 or 19 years old and, and you're you're just writing stuff that you already hear, it just comes out, yeah, like every everything else. And and the girls all come here and they've got what I call ACSS, angry chick singer syndrome. <laughs> and you'll hear them, you know, and they get up and everything's about how terrible the guys are. Yeah. Guys will be doing DDSS, depressed dude singer syndrome. <laughs> and then there's bro country. And, and, and it's so, row country. Yeah. And, and so if you're, you're working with somebody and you see a, a group of writers, 25, 30 writers on a night, and they're doing between th- one and three songs each. And so now you've got, you know, 60, 70, 90 songs. And 80 of those songs are depressing, bitter, angry, upset. <laughs> Everything is bad. And yeah. look, we, all we got to do is look And they're all ballads, us. right? They're, uh, they're all ballads. <laughs> We look around ourselves. Do we really need any more negativity piled on what we're all going through? You know, so I I look at that with the the artist and say you've got to find ways to stand up, and it starts with the songs that you write. It begins with the song. It does. Then you get with older writers. I, I recently had a guy from Wisconsin come down, guy named Mark Monroe, and he he is. Uh, kind of an older folky kind of guy and and in order to kind of move to the next levels you've got to tie in with people that's the networking aspect you want to meet younger writers you want to younger artists and so you want to pair those things up and and so the the beauty is when you writing with somebody and you get that age of experience with some younger person and we're trying to do two things as songwriters the first is write a song that people hear and they go oh my god that's my life Mm -hmm. the other one that is harder is Oh my God, that's my life, but I never even thought of it that way. Wow. And that is, that's kind of how it comes together. And when you can find ways to make these people look at music a little bit differently and they go, oh, that's, that's the deal. And that's what my thing is. And and where it pays off, you have a a song like Marin Morris, Morris, my church, you Mm -hmm. know, there's never been a, a person alive that hadn't had a terrible day, get into their car turn the radio or stereo up and just ride and sing at the top of their lungs. Mm. And that's like a religious experience. And that's how it all comes together. And what we're having to do now uh, as songwriters and artists and however we're doing, I mean, people have an eight second attention span, you know? And and so we're, it's even more incumbent on us to find some things that say the same thing, but say it in a different way. And, And that's, that's the difficulty. And so that's what I do. And people that come to Nashville, that just have a, a little time to spend here. Uh, I try to help them shape and maximize their time. And you do it with these tours, too. Yes, that's the tour. Yeah, Tell me about the tour. The yeah. tour is, is through the past, the present, and the future of the writer. And I, these mm-hmm. two people I just uh, worked with. They'll come in. All writers will have uh, have songs. Publishers don't see them anymore. There's no way to get in the front doors because there's there's literally at any one time there's about a quarter of a million people trying to do music in this town. All right there, and there's about four thousand actual jobs, and then there's even less when it comes to songwriter jobs. So, yeah. Publishing, yeah. So, well, that's music related jobs, no. and, and, and particularly in the songwriter focus. Yeah. And, and and they you come in and go all the time, and, and so the industry kind of reinvents itself. So people that come in. It, it, 
it's they just want to play on a writer's. They just want to get somebody to hear what they do. Well, before you do that, make sure you're not doing the same thing everybody else is already doing. <laughs> so I look at their songs and I do line by line, note by note. You've been through this before, oh, yeah. and, I, and 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 try to give them if they come in with six, seven, eight songs, what are the best three that they're going to play on a writer's night? You know, and and what why? And I break it down line by line, note by note. That's the past. Then they'll tell me about things that they're doing in their home area. They'll all have things, and so we'll talk about the present. How do I build something? How do I show them how to build a little bit more fan thing? How do I show them how to be a little bit more conscious on on video? How do I? Uh, how do those things that work out? And then with your with the younger artists, you have momagers and dadingers, you know, and they're the ones spending money left and right. Oh yeah. How do you slow things down and be effective? You're bang for your buck, you know. Yeah. How do you do something that's going to get them into the next door and the next door? And, and so all of these things I do, and then I write songs with them. Oh, and, and and I'll show them the processes. Uh, the, the professional writers, the hit writers, will look at subjects in a way that most people just didn't think of. Right. You know, you look at uh, the big phenomenon over the years is Taylor Swift. Right. You know, and, and you say what you want about Taylor. I, I remember meeting her when she was 14. I met her with her mother. And, and I thought, okay, here's another cute blonde girl, you know. <laughs> and then my daughter wanted uh, her CD, you know, for Christmas, that first one. You know, and I bought it. I don't buy CDs, particularly from girls. And I, I was listening to it, and I was going, "This, wow, this stuff is this stuff is pretty good." And and she did. There was one song that I was talking about. Taylor, she she had the song "Our Song," and we've heard yeah. that phrase a million times. Our song, our song. We were dancing at our wedding. Our song, our child was born. She did it with noises, talking low on the phone so your mama don't know, slamming door, all of those things, and and. What a writer she became. She exactly learned right. to write. Yes, yeah, she exactly was. And yeah. and I, I just that's the kind of things that you try and pass on. How can you look at these things differently? Yeah. And and uh, it's it's a thing that comes with experience. I didn't know it till I started writing with hit writers. And you know, you when you're in a room and you just you're trying to focus on something, somebody else is just on fire, you know, and then just keep coming up with something. I, one of my principal mentors and, and Ron Miller was like that, but Jimbo Henson. You oh know? yeah. And Jim Jimbo just come up with the lines, and you just go. Jimbo wrote "Fancy Free" fan, for uh, that, uh, Oak Ridge I'm Boys. Looking for a party crowd, party and, crowd, and, yeah, and just an amazing yeah. line. Yep. And they just come up with lines, and you just shake your head. Yeah. Well, the other thing that I've had, I, I've been lucky with that I'm really fast when I when I write with people. You so are. I can. Could be a, a great podcast sometime. Maybe get you in here and, and sure. dig into the process and yeah. uh, watch you write a song. That would be really cool. Yeah. See how that uh, yeah. works. Yeah. And and so you just bring all these things to bear. You're almost like a a, a method actor. If you if you study people like Jack Nicholson, I, I compare acting and, and songwriting a lot. There's a lot of uh, similar things. You come in and find a role and find that little sweet spot, and 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 it just and then they can deliver it, and they'll do multiple takes. It'll be a little different each time. It's like mm. the layers of a character. That's uh, and and so I try to bring that same thing into that's songwriting. very very cool. Now, if people want to find out more about it, where where can they get information on your tours and mm-hmm. and the services you provide? MarkAllenBarnett.com. www dot m-a-r-c-a-l-a-n-b-a-r-n-e-t-t-e dot com good another thing they can uh, you don't choose music uh, excuse me music chooses you they can do that phrase and that's a oh, music yeah. chooses you we'll, that is a we'll great that comes from a great song that you wrote that I know that you're going to do a little yeah, bit later on let's you know you, you used to tell this story and, and I think this really kind of sums up what you were talking about and maybe I can get you to do this sure. about the first time you auditioned to play the bluebird mm-hmm. 
And uh, go ahead and tell that story because it's... You want me to do it? Or you uh, yeah, and I want you to do it. And tell the story, too, because it's fascinating. Well, and it's just... It nails what you've been talking about. Right. It, <laughs> it's, it, it was originally written by, by Ron Muir, and I heard it. And the very thing that he was talking about had happened to me. And so I got to go. When he and I started working together, uh, we basically changed a, a little thing, and he gave me credit. But it, it was it was his thing. But again, that's my life. I've never heard it that way before. You know, yeah. in Nashville, you get everybody with their Nashville songs, their music songs. I mean, okay, yeah. well, all right. How am I going to find a different way to say this? And he had done that, and and then I. He, Fortunately, he kind of let me in to actually talk about some of the things that had happened to me, uh-huh. you know. And 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 uh, you you get into these situations. And I was at the at the Bluebird audition, and there were eighty five writers, and everybody getting up and doing one song, and every one of them were kind of the ballads and the oh, gonna die, take you with me. Yeah, there, every one of them were like that, you know. So. This is what I did. It's called the grand opening. <laughs> Was my first night for playing in a bar room. And I hoped I'd do the songs they'd love to hear. But before I started picking, I went into that room where little boys go when they've been drinking beer. <laughs> then I came back out and stepped to the spotlight. Picked up my guitar and tried to sing. When I looked at all the people, they were staring back at me. None of them was saying anything. Well, the first tune that I did was Fast and Light. But no one moved except the man at table three. I saw him writing down some words upon his neck. Waitress giggled as she handed it to me. It said, do you know your fly is standing open? Do you know your zipper is undone? <laughs> she might have guessed those were my first two requests. <laughs> well, I'd never even heard of either one. <laughs> so I read them to the crowd. They applauded long and loud. I broke out in a sweat of desperation. And I don't know why or how, but I got up to take a bow. And they gave me my first standing ovation. <laughs> I said, thank you very much, friends and neighbors. I wish my mother was here tonight to see this. Then I sat back down and tried to play some music. But the waitress brought another note to me. Though her face was turning red, she just snickered and said it's from that man at table number three. I said, well, let's open it up and see. It said, don't you know your horse ain't in the stable? <laughs> don't you know your barn door ain't been closed? Couldn't help but wonder where he'd heard these crazy songs. Some old drunk cowboy, I suppose. Then I glanced down at the bottom of his napkin. And I started feeling better right away. Cause after all those songs of horses, flies, and stables, here was one that finally I could play. Said this man must be a fan of the Beatles. And this song is in line I'd like to do. And they went into a rage that stood upon the stage singing, P.S. I love you. <laughs> That's brilliant. I love it. Every time I hear 
I was getting notes. From, I was getting notes from our our stage manager, and I said, "Do you know your plant? Your plants? Do you know your fly standing open?" And I'm going, "I don't know that song. I don't know. I thought it was some weird David Allen Coe song. I don't know that one. But that's exactly it happened. It happened just yeah. like that. Yeah. And that, that uh, was the truth. So and then so that was the audition, and they had to have you right away. That, I'm yeah. sure. I mean, you. It was, uh, there was uh, a guy named David Wilcox who would go on to be uh, very successful, and uh, and me that passed out of eighty five people. We were the only two that passed the audition. Wow, yeah. That's and, fantastic. Uh, and Amy Curlin became very very good friend of mine, and uh, she was she gave me this real interesting piece. Amy of was the one that Amy started. Was the, the one that started, right. and and mm-hmm. still the backbone behind the. Mm-hmm. Uh, but actually, you know, she's the one that really focused Nashville songwriting. It she had did, been huh? around before, but but it, the it, the bluebird the bluebird became what the Grand Ole Opry is to the country music. The to bluebird the became to represent. You can go to France and mention bluebird, right. and immediately it's acoustic music, and that's and, oh, and yeah. so it's it's just. And there's a great movie, by the way. I yeah. think it's on Netflix. That if you haven't had a chance oh, to yeah. watch it about yeah. the bluebird, it's fantastic. Yeah, it's amazing. Yeah. and uh, she said you you were pretty good this is right as i was starting out and i and i was starting to get some attention and and she said uh, you came from birmingham pretty successful there I said yeah i had a pretty good run there she said well you got some awards and and uh newspaper articles and stuff yeah i said i had done that she said well great take all that stuff and put it in the corner because <laughs> you start all over again imagine. you know and and i'm going and she said it's a 10-year town and i'm going Ten-year mm-hmm. town Maybe i already been. had a cut it was 10 years before i got the second one Oh my! You know, and and so it takes just even if you're and I hit the ground running, man. I mean, I had a lot of things happening, and it still takes a it long time. It takes time, doesn't it? It's it's not only your abilities; it's the people that you know. Mm-hmm. Because what happens in Nashville, and you, you I know you, or as seen they this. say, that that people who know you, right? well, yeah. that's a, that that's a carry current Phillips. That's, it's not who you know; it's who knows you and how they you? know you. Yeah. and and so you're you're. Political contacts grow. You know, out of the people that move here, there's another Amy telling me this, the people that move here, 85% will be gone within six months. Yeah, crazy. And and so... The, Even Garth, he first came. Went home and yeah. he came back. Yeah. And uh, and so what happens is most people just dissipate off. The people that are continue to be there after a couple of years, they find other things that they have to... They have to have a living and they have to uh, put themselves into some other situations. And and then you'll find people who originally, you're talking about the lure. You know, mm-hmm. there are people that come to be artists and, and come to be songwriters and then that doesn't work out. And then they'll branch off into other things and some will become publishers. Mm-hmm. Some will become uh, ASCAP or BMI. Some will become, uh, will go to work at other things that don't necessarily have to do with music, but will keep a hand in in, in music, yeah, and, and so sometimes people will it'll take a while to come back around, but usually people will find their own little their so, own little niche. So let me ask you: It's like going into the major leagues, of That's course. Right. That's but exactly. there is something different about we, we we touched on this earlier. There is something different about writing for the Nashville right, market. Right. Nashville song is different, isn't it? Yeah, it is. Most other music, uh, other forms of music are. Uh, the the music is usually written first. It starts with beats or grooves, and mm-hmm. start with uh, and and in today's a lot of electronic stuff, and and the movement is determined by the movement of the music, you know, and that could be dance, mm-hmm. electronic media, it could be all of that, and lyrics come almost as an afterthought. Right here, it's a very story driven format, 
And even if you find R&B songs, even if you find rap or hip-hop or other types of things, the lyric and the story is what separates it from everything else. In country music, it is always trying to be relatable, so people will get it conversational, so it sounds like two people talking, and then a reinforcing melodic hook, those singable melodic hooks that are very distinct. Uh, the a lot of times it's that melody that draws you in, but That's the exactly. lyrics that blow you away. Melody gets them there, lyrics keep them there. Yeah. And, and and you'll find uh, an interesting thing about uh, about natural songwriting, and I call them elbow moments. And elbow moments are are when you hear a line that just whacks you, and you just want to punch somebody in the ribs. Say, did you hear that? Mm. And and that, you've got quite a few of those. Well, uh, yeah. I hope so. I appreciate you, you it. Do. That's, but that's a, a thing that that uh, the Nashville writers, the great writers, do the Don Schlitz and the Gary Burrs and and those people that they'll layer that stuff, and you just hear it and it makes you want to listen again and and i don't want people to get the impression that it's all country it's music not, not not at all not it's, at all it's all genres right but there is i don't care if you're writing for uh to sync uh with a movie uh exactly. or on tv there's something different about a nashville song no matter what the genre is yes there's a reason that people like peter frampton and tommy yes. shaw and steven tyler have moved moved here, here. Yeah, yeah, that's exactly right. That's because right. It's a, it's a different way to frame up what they're doing, and it makes you focus on the lyric, and the lyric is what makes it stand Absolutely. up. Absolutely. You got a song in that guitar with one of those elbow moments. I do. I want to hear more. Which, which one? <laughs> which, which? I'm going to let one? you choose, okay. man. I love all your stuff. Okay. You know that. All right. Mark Allen Barnett is our guest. This is the Songwriter Connection Podcast. We appreciate you listening. He turned 21 in 1952, won to work the late shift. Cadillac pulled to the curb, the man comes strolling in. Here's the king of country music, pure white suit, jet black trim. Orders up the ham and eggs. She can't believe it's him. She's waiting on Hank, yeah. living her life through a moment frozen in time. Holding out hope, the star in her eyes. Sees more than a small town girl catching her breath, checking her hair. Does he even know that she's there? Praying today he'll take her away. She's waiting on. Nobody knows what happened Away from crying eyes A 15-minute break Turned into an hour overtime In her hand she held a napkin Words skipped, scribbled out in black Promising to change your life as soon as he got back. She's waiting on Hank, living her life through a moment frozen in time. Holding out hope, the star in her eyes. Sees more than a small town girl catching her breath, checking her hair. Does he even know that she's there? Praying today to take her away. She's waiting on Hank. 
turned 71 in April. Wanda sits alone at this customary table on this bar stool she calls home. She's waiting on Hank, living her life through a moment frozen in time, holding out hope, the star in her eyes. She's more than a small town girl, catching her breath, checking her hair. Does he even know that she's there? Praying today to take her away. She's waiting on There you go, Mark Allen Barnett. That is a Nashville song right That there. is a Nashville song. Yeah. It, it's got a story, uh, and it's got Hank, you know. Uh, that, well, you know, and, and the deal on that, and I wrote that. I wrote that with a guy named Brian Hayner. Brian Hayner would go on to be, you know, the prop cop, uh, prop comic Jeff Dunham? Yes. He's Jeff Dunham's guitar guy. <laughs> okay. that's, that's what he does. But he had this story. He had come to Nashville years before he met me, and he saw this woman talking about this story about meeting Hank back wow. in the early days. Now, the way most people would write a thing, they, they'd put his songs in. Hey, hey, good looking, and I'm so lonesome. And, they put yeah. that. and I didn't want to do that. Yeah, yeah. And, and so the Nashville way is to, to show, not tell. She turned 21 in 1952. Wanda works the late shift. You know who she is. You know what year it is. You know everything. Then uh, the Cadillac pulls to the curb. The man comes strolling in. Yeah. Here's a king of country music. Perfect. Pure white suit, black, jet black trim. Orders up the ham and eggs. She can't believe it's him. She's waiting on Hank. Waiting on and, Hank. And as you go through the song, she's, she's a waitress. Then she, they have a little thing. She's waiting on him, and then seventy-one years later, she's still waiting. Still on him. waiting. It was a true story from a woman that uh, a lot of us knew back then. But that's but great. She did wait on him, but the rest of the story we just made up. But yeah. uh, it, there's always it, a little so bit of truth. Right? Absolutely, yeah. never yeah. let the facts get in the way. Of this. <laughs> you never do. But that's <laughs> the you know that's the little elbow moments. And, and, oh yeah, uh, yeah, absolutely. Uh, what you've, you've got uh, quite a few CDs out there that yeah, people can listen to and music that's out there and available at all the, all the, the basic places. But yeah. you have a, a relatively new one in the last couple of years, yeah, uh, uh, which yeah. I've been enjoying. Yeah. Oh, thank you. Yeah. Well, that's the, the first one that I did mm-hmm. uh, was, uh, that's the time I'm thinking, it's called Life Well Lived. And mm-hmm. um, I wanted to record, I didn't. I didn't want to be an artist anymore in the in the thing where you're you're spending a ton of money and you're trying to. I, I like doing my little thing. I like having people come to me, but I like enough artistry to present what people, you know, what I want people to hear. And uh, and I am kind of one of those old soul Ray Charles guys, and I like that R and B feel. And so I, I was lucky enough to to work with uh, Jay Vern, who is. Uh, keyboard player and owns Jay's Play Studio and we did it we got some great horn section and and uh, I also have been in a band Dangerous Dan and the Funk Town oh, yeah. Horns and oh my you know, you got a five piece great. horn section so you that know great blues voice that's, that's the deal and mm-hmm. and so that the that kind of deal is it's not just a country thing it can be blues and R&B but the story yeah. needs to be there no matter what you're doing I need to hear two more songs I sure know. I want to know I want to right. hear the Ray Charles okay <laughs> and this we talk about in your your yeah. face country soul right yeah. here man that, tell us that story too I was riding with a girl named Kimberly and uh, was not a singer was not a writer at all and uh, I'm teaching. I'm only. These are teaching lessons. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And uh, I had. 
I, I will always say, if you could write one song for anybody, no matter who it is, living or dead, who would it be? And she couldn't come up with anybody. And I said, well, if it was me, it'd be Ray Charles. Mm. And she was telling me the story of a guy she had met and fallen in love with. She had this huge crush on. And so uh, he was uh, actually a songwriter. Uh, but I just put it all into the contest, actually, of a bartender. <laughs> How we would fall in love at the last of the night. <laughs> but I thought I'd put it into the way Brother Ray would do it. He had just died at that oh. time. So this is what I, my trip, my mom. I had my eyes on you. For the past three weeks, I tried to talk to you. But I could not speak. So tonight I got my courage up Since liquid encouragement Is back in fashion Lord, you female bartenders Must hear every line This time look deep enough And you just might find Someone you overlook Someone who just might be Red hot passion It's too soon to say It's a case of love It's just one thing I can't get caught up in a crazy little high school crush. Oh no, that's not for us. So when you get off tonight, look into your right, Lord, I'll be right in this seat, ready to. Plus me to a slow burning fuse. Let for me and you, that's red eyed passion. Well, it's too soon to say that there's a It's just one thing. Little high school crush. No, no, that's not for us. So when you get off the name, yeah. look into your right, Lord, I'll be right in the seat, Lord, have mercy. <laughs> Ready to apply uh, me to a slow burning fuse. Let for me and you. <laughs> Mark Allen Barnett, that in-your-face country story. See what we're talking about? That's what we're talking about That's right it. there. That's it. I could hear Ray doing that one too, man. Oh, you know, I, I was such a Ray fanatic. Ugh. 
And my dad reminded me of something. It, it, something happened when I was three years old. And, and uh, my uh, I was uh, living in Atlanta with my parents. My parents divorced when I was seven, so I don't remember much about them being together. But I remember going out to this very fancy night. It was called a supper club back then in, mm, in outside club. Atlanta. And, uh, and it was a place called Aunt Fanny's Cabin, which is a converted slave cabin. And even to this day, I think, well, that was politically incorrect. Yeah. But we were in, and there was a man playing piano in the middle of the room. And uh, it had like a trio, like a jazz thing. And I had wandered away from the table and went down and stood. And I remember standing by the thing and, and just kind of looking at this guy. And all of a sudden, I felt myself being picked up, and I was put on his lap. And he put his hands over mine and played Sweet Georgia Brown. Wow. And I was, I, I always remembered this thing. I just couldn't remember much else about it. And years later, my dad said, well, you know who that was? I said, no. I said, he said, it was Ray Charles. Oh, my. And it was about wow. 1962. And he was playing what was called the Chitlin Circuit. And he was Incredible. doing a, a, uh, a upright bass and a, a sax player. And, and What a memory. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. That, that was is a, and, a great story. So, yeah, and, yeah. I, and so I was touched by greatness, and yeah, and that was just uh, kind of the things that happen in a career. All these little things, and you don't notice them until years you do something, yeah. and you go, "Oh man, wow. that's where that comes from." Yeah, that's you a know? part of you. Yeah, that's, yeah. that's a part of it. I always have to say they always talk about three three chords in the truth. There's about fifty eight chords. Yeah, in the song there's, you there's, there's little, little. <laughs> well, actually, there's inversions on the chords. <laughs> yeah. <you know? laughs> Yeah, there's, there's some little things. Yeah. Oh, it's beautiful. Flavor. So well composed. Absolutely. Man, love it. Um, there's this, uh, you know, you mentioned earlier, you said uh, music chooses you. Yeah. A very powerful line and uh, a lot of truth in that. Mm-hmm. And um, you always close out your song with your, your sets uh, with this special song. Uh, and tell us a little bit about that, and why don't you take us out with that one? Mark Allen Barnett is our, our has been our guest on on the podcast, and I hope you've enjoyed it as much as I have. Uh, just watching this pro play, and wow. he's just something else, man. Well, Good to have you here. I, I, it's just a, a very cool thing, and, and I'm very proud of what you've done. I remember uh, working with you guys up in, in Cincinnati, and you were you were teaching, and you were teaching in uh, yeah. radio uh, voiceovers and, and different yeah, things. Yeah, doing you've the done. radio. And I, I'm just it's really cool that you've applied yourself and found another little section of what you do as well to be a very good writer and, and a very good performer. Okay. You've done well, Yoda. Thank you. <laughs> you've Thank you, Yoda. Well, you've done. Mm. Uh, I came across that plaque. I owe a lot to you, brother. I really do. Yeah, I, I really do. It. I was in, uh, again, my career has benefited from other people asking me to do stuff that comes naturally to me. And, uh, and uh, a couple out in California, uh, Cliff and Bev Nelson, had invited me to their to their house. And they had a Big NSA group. They had, they had about 85. I remember that group. They were great. Uh, they were mm-hmm. very good. And I kept going out there, and I I would, you know, because I did the same thing with you guys in Cincinnati. And we do the the workshops. You know, you do one on songwriting, one on publishing, one on performance, you know. And, and you feel like, well, then what else can I do? Because the only other thing was to sit down with people and do song critiques. Because people want their song. That, that's fine. But yeah. I, I wonder, what else can I do? So Cliff, who is a teacher, has said, well, in California, we spend about six hours a day in traffic if we're trying to go anywhere. We never co-write. And then we go to Nashville, and uh, we don't know anything about co We don't know how to co-write. And nobody will even see us 
in, in Astros. It's wall up because you've got to know people to get inside. So you could come and sit with us and in a couple of hours give kind of a lesson, kind of like going to get a piano lesson or a guitar lesson on a songwriting lesson. And we'll call it a write-up because the right term write-up is is that. And and so that, that again, and it would be two-hour sessions and I would write sometimes multiple songs in them and, and sometimes just one or two. And, and people of all kinds, the, there would be young artists and there would be housewives and there would be all kinds of things. One of the guys, uh, Stephen uh, J. Fisher, attorney at law, I always have to say that, uh, had, <laughs> had booked me. He was, he was a pretty good writer and he, he uh, had some really good stuff. And I'm wondering, a lot of times you're going, why are you paying me for this? And, and his, his thing was he had known Jeffrey Steele back in the early days. And Jeffrey had moved on to Nashville, become a very successful writer. Big songwriter. And, and Stephen stayed in, in Los Angeles and he got into the law and he was, it's fine, but he, uh, there was always that lure. It was always, you know, God, mm-hmm. I, I would have, should have, could have. You know, now he had a family on them. We're in Malibu, California. We're very nice boys. And he was just kind of talking about the wistful, you know, what about Nashville? What about songwriting? And I was going, well, songs about songs are just kind of, <laughs> songs everybody about do them, you know? And, yeah. and it's not always like that. It's a lot of really tough times, you know? But I wanted to write something that had, had the spirit of, of songwriting. And songwriting is part of it, but it's really more about getting back up after you get knocked down. And an interesting thing about this song is that I've had teachers, I've had truck drivers, I've had salesmen come up and say, that's exactly the way I feel. Because the big, the hook line is you don't choose music, music chooses you. But I've had people, you don't choose teaching, teaching chooses you. you. I I appreciate that. Exactly. Mm -hmm. And and so we we did this and and, uh, it's been the one that one of the most requested songs that I have and on markallenbarnett.com and YouTube uh, I have video on on this and several other songs video you shot in 98 degree that's exactly right <laughs> dressed in all black and 98 degrees you want attention yeah you can have it there you go but this is uh, kind of the way I feel about songwriting another night has ended crowd is shuffled out Two guys at the end of the bar Throw their last bud down The smoky haze has lifted Work lights have come on Now I'm packing up this old guitar And headed home alone I do what I do for the love of it Sure ain't for the bucks Maybe some magical wandering If I look deep enough What they see three hours a night Is a tortured soul laid bare Sometimes it feels like I'm playing for tables and chairs she used to come here with me And hang on every line Since they were all about her I had a reason to write But she couldn't take the lifestyle Of this gypsy on the move You don't choose music Music chooses you 
I do what I do for the love of it Sure ain't for the bucks Maybe some magical wandering If I look deep enough What they see three hours a night Is a tortured soul laid bare Sometimes it feels like I'm playing for tables and chairs Yeah, we do what we do for the love of it It sure ain't for the bucks But maybe some magical wandering If we all look deep enough What they see three hours a night Or tortured souls lead bare Sometimes it feels like I'm playing for tables and chairs Sometimes it feels like I'm playing for tables and chairs Tables and chairs Mm. Mark Allen Barnett, what a great song, Mark. Yeah, I've been there playing for those tables and chairs. Exactly. <laughs> it's uh, it's part of the deal. It's part of the paying dues. Yeah. Uh, but you've got to play just like there was a room. Yes, you do. And and the uh, the first cut that I got, three people left in the bar. Wow. One guy throwing darts at the back of the bar, walked up and said, man, I, I really like some of your funny stuff. The grand opening, the zipper song. Yeah. And, uh, and he said, uh, you got a tape. At that time, it was a tape, so... I handed him one. I didn't have my phone number on the tape because I had, <laughs> I had done it before I moved to Nashville. But I gave it to him. And six months later, I saw him out and says, they're trying to find you at Tree Publishing uh, because my roommate works at Tree Publishing. I paid it for him. And he played it for somebody who played it for somebody who played it for somebody. And that's how random the business can be. And that was cut by Tom Bresh, was? Uh No, that, that song, uh, Tables and Chairs. Oh, uh, no, the other one. This is the first one. The first, first. one that I did, That's Where It Hurts, <coughs> which was cut by Sean. Oh, Lee. okay. That was the show. Uh, the grand opening was cut by Tom Bresh. Okay. And, uh, and so the, that's been... Uh, it's been done by a lot of stuff. I've had uh, quite a quite a few cuts. None of those big singles, you know. That's what yeah. you got to have. But yeah. but I, I I'll take it. Yeah, I, I'll take it. Oh, I, that's cool. Last year with the Odds of March thing, and Sean Murphy, who is a tremendous uh, R and B singer, uh, was Bob Singer's backup uh, singer's backup singer. Wow, for forty years. Wow. And she was last year. She was voted International Blues Artist of the Year. And Fantastic. She did. Can't blame nobody but me. And, oh, uh, love that song so too. Absolutely. Uh, yeah. Well, thanks for sitting around our table, our dining room table, uh, and playing some of your, your great music. Mark Allen Barnett has been our guest, man. Good to have you. Good to see you again. Thank you. Next time on the podcast, we'll meet pro writer Jane Bach, who's Google. She's a wonderful. Google her. She's Absolutely. written some, some big songs. Yeah. So I hope you'll join us then. And thank you again, Mark Allen Barnett, the Songwriter Connection Podcast. Thank you all. Thank you for listening to the Songwriter Connection Podcast. Find us on social media at Songwriter Connection. Also, listen to Dave Linehan's Nashville Connection radio show. It streams live every Friday morning on WOBL and WNOI. Look for us on Facebook and YouTube. See you next time on Songwriter Connection. Songwriter Connection.